0: Coming up on this week's episode of the Five Bytes Podcast, I cover some exciting announcements from Microsoft with their new Microsoft Intune Suite. I feature an update from LastPass on their most recent security breaches. I have information about Microsoft making AppLocker more widely available to all in enterprise and much more. For that and more, keep listening to this episode, which would not be possible without my awesome sponsors that includes ControlUp, end-to-end digital experience management for the work from anywhere era. ControlUp. Happy users, happy IT. And also brought to you by Netrix Policy Pack, where you use group policy, policy pack cloud or MDM to remove local admin rights, manage lockdown applications, Java, browsers and mitigate ransomware, plus more. And of course, also brought to you by Numescent, the inventors of the first and only cloud-native container management platform for Windows desktops. If you enjoy the show each week, you have these awesome sponsors to thank. And now for some news. This week, Microsoft announced Microsoft Intune Suite, which unifies mission-critical advanced endpoint management and security solutions into one simple bundle. They claim Microsoft Security Microsoft 365, deeply integrated with the Intune suite, will empower IT and security teams with data science and AI to increase automation, helping them move simply and quickly from reactive to proactive in addressing endpoint management and other security challenges. The suite is reported to contain... The previously announced remote help tool, which I discussed on a couple of different episodes of the podcast, which is a tool that will assist help desks, especially important as workers are now working away from the office more often. Uh, Remote help is already available for Windows users and will also come to Android and Mac endpoints in future releases. So it kind of covers that gap, you know, managing remote endpoints uh, via Intune, but also having kind of visibility and an ability to offer remote help to those remote endpoints via Intune. Also in the suite is endpoint privilege management, which is in preview and will be generally available next month. And this will enable the controlled elevation of Windows standard users, so security controls don't get in the way of productivity. The right users will have the right privileges at the right time to reduce the security risk of overprivileged users and reduce the burden on the help desk by allowing greater self-serve for basic scenarios like setting up a local printer, um, so that's it's a positive. Uh, it's something that other vendors like uh, Show Sponsor Networks Policy Pack have been doing for some time, but uh, still good to have it. Uh, the Intune suite also offers advanced endpoint analytics features, which is data-driven insights that help IT admins understand, anticipate, and improve the user experience for the staff in the organization. Uh, so hopefully this is an improvement on the endpoint analytics feature that's already available, as uh, personally I think is quite lacking. But putting advanced in the name uh, suggests it's going to be an improvement on what's already there. There's also Microsoft Tunnel for mobile app management, which is a micro VPN that connects corporate resources from personal iOS, iPadOS, and Android devices, so employees can have access to company resources from their personal mobile devices when duty calls. The Intune Suite improves the management of specialty devices to give employees the flexibility to choose the device they need to get the job done without those devices becoming points of vulnerability for the organization. And it says that following the March 1st, 2023 launch, another capacity that will be added to the Intune Suite is advanced app management, offering an enterprise app catalog and controls for easy app discovery, deployment, and automatic updating to mitigate risks introduced by out-of-date apps. So that sounds pretty promising, but there's no further details uh, shared at this time. They also say later this year, they will introduce a cloud certificate management solution to issue and manage VPN and Wi-Fi certificates from Intune to devices without on-premises infrastructure. They will also continue to add additional advanced capabilities to the suite over time, providing more endpoint security, automation, and control of the user computing landscape and experience. It appeared, uh, at least initially, when I could have access to it. Uh, that the service is going to cost an additional uh, $10 a month for the add-on per subscription uh, or $120 a year, which it seemed a little bit odd because, you know, that is $10 a month for paying annually. It doesn't seem like there's a reduction. Uh, But also when I tried to use the trial, which was mentioned in the documentation, uh, the trial became unavailable uh, and did not work. So I'm not sure if it's hit like capacity and it's not available uh, for more users at this time, or maybe it was just like a bug or something that happened. Uh, that just happened to me tonight. Uh, I'm waiting on a response to see how to get that access again. But I mean, all, all promising uh, improvements to Intune uh, can only be a good thing. Oops, it happened again. Microsoft offered Windows 11 upgrades to PCs with unsupported hardware, according to a report from The Verge. And this is the second time this has happened. Microsoft commented to state that while the upgrade was offered, the upgrade would not complete on those systems as they would be detected to not meet the hardware requirements for the install. So, a little bit of a whoopsies, but not really the end of the world. (laughs) Maybe gave false hope to some. LastPass issued an update to customers stating they completed a comprehensive investigation and have shared their findings. Rather than go into in-depth detail on this because I've covered it in detail on previous episodes of the podcast. The summary that they shared for the latest incident was that the threat actor targeted a senior DevOps engineer by exploiting vulnerable third-party software in October of last year. And the threat actor leveraged the vulnerability to deliver malware, bypass existing controls, and ultimately gain unauthorized access to cloud backups. The data accessed from those backups included system configuration data, API secrets, third-party integration secrets, and encrypted and unencrypted LastPass customer data. In response to the second incident, uh, they again mobilized their incident response team and Mandiant, and as part of their ongoing containment, eradication, and recovery activities related to the second incident, they have taken some of the following actions. That includes one, They analyzed LastPass cloud-based storage resources and applied additional policies and controls. Two, analyzed and changed existing privileged access controls. And three, rotated relevant secrets and certificates that were accessed by the threat actor. There were other sources than LastPass and this official statement claiming that the engineer in question who was the target was on a personal device working from home, which is an interesting wrinkle, and I wonder if those who push a... You know work from the office narrative will jump on this as oh see working from home is inherently insecure and rather than you know what could we do to manage the work from home better and to make it more secure so i guess time will tell on that one for full details including on the initial the first incident uh, you could check that out for yourself. It's on the LastPass blog, and I'll share a link with this episode, which is episode 271, and you'll find it at fivebytespodcast.com. There was a humdinger of a thread on Twitter recently by Cory Doctorow, who went through in detail showing that when he searched for a great Thai restaurant in his local neighborhood, a Google ad displayed a result at the top for a Thai restaurant of the same name that appears to be in his neighborhood, and appears to be the restaurant, and even uses the name in its domain name. But what he came to discover was that the site would accept an order, but at a 15% marked up price than what was charged by the restaurant, and then pass off the order to the actual restaurant. He goes through realizing how things were not on the up and up, and then trying to cancel the order to place the order directly through the restaurant, and the hardship he experienced doing this and questions You know, Google's partners, American Express, and delivery services like Uber Eats during an epic thread. And the reason I even bring this up is because over the last 8 to 10 weeks on the podcast, I've covered multiple stories about people getting scammed by Google Ads when trying to download software like BLC Player, for example. So while this story was not necessarily enterprise related, the lesson certainly is. Be very careful when using Google searches. It seems like Google Ads are being manipulated even more than in the past for scamming people. The VMware Fusion team have announced support for running Windows 11 on ARM, ARM, running on a Mac Studio computer with Apple Silicon. This comes hot off the heels of Microsoft announcing that they will support Windows on ARM in virtual machines running on Apple hardware. And if you'd like to use these VMs on your Mac, try Fusion version 13 or later. Power Toys version 0.68.0, which <laughs> reading that as like, I think uh, Putty is on version 0.78. So, you know, Power Toys hasn't been around all that long and it's quickly catching up in the versioning. Uh, but <laughs> regardless, uh, the highlights of this new version includes a new utility for pasting as plain text that allows pasting the text contents of your clipboard without formatting and you should note that the formatted text in the clipboard is replaced with the unformatted text. There's also a new utility which has mouse jump that allows to quickly move the mouse pointer long distances on a single screen or across multiple screens. There's added new group policy object policies for automatic update downloads and update toast notifications, support for MSC and CPL files in the run command results of Power Toys run program plugin, and more so for a full list of what's new and also the fixes that are included in this release check out the link which i'll share with this episode axios have reported that jp morgan have taken the step to restrict its staff from using ChatGPT as part of their standard controls for third-party software usage which to be fair it is still very new so it is probably a safe line to take for now like see how things shake out and then try to manage its use in your environment and future that could be the smart choice here i know there are others like even some college professors who have publicly stated that they will not penalize their students who use the service but using it inside an enterprise network on corporate devices is a big leap of faith to take in my opinion in other chat gpt news They had a brief worldwide outage recently, and I believe this is the first outage since the paid subscription became available and BleepyComputer.com reports the outage lasted about 45 minutes. ITPro.co.uk shared an update on the Royal Mail ransomware attack that I talked about on a previous episode. This was a ransomware attack that went on for over a month, and the article covers communication between the Royal Mail and the gang as a full transcript was made available. It was pretty interesting as you may recall the service impacted international parcel of shipping Uh, the attack affected royal mail international specifically which is a royal mail subsidiary the ransom requested by the gang was reported to be so large that the response from the victim was quote under no circumstances will we pay you the absurd amount of money you have demanded end quote the attackers shared a wikipedia page about the royal mail to Royal Mail's negotiator, but it was explained to them that they are a subsidiary that they had attacked and was not actually what the link they were referencing was about, like they were much smaller than the ransomware gang had believed they were. But from the communications, it appears the gang weren't buying it. The Royal Mail International's negotiators told them, quote, we've repeatedly tried to explain to you we are not the large entity you have assumed we are but rather a small subsidiary without the resources you think we have, but you continue to refuse to listen to us. This is an amount that could never be taken seriously by our board. End quote. The transcript reveals the gang's negotiator accused the negotiator for Royal Mail of using delay tactics. Lockbit later offered a 12.5% discount that the negotiator then stated they would have to go to the board about and wait for the response from them but it appears no ransom was ever paid and the negotiator just stopped communicating after saying he had to go to the board to ask on the 9th of february lockbit sent their final message that said quote do you have any offer for me end quote lockbit stated they were going to publish data on a certain date in february but at the time instead posted a message saying Royal Mail needs a new negotiator and the data was not published with suggestions that this was a scare tactic by the gang to see if that would coax them to negotiate with them. But it didn't work, obviously. Dole, which is an Irish company and one of the largest producers of fruit and vegetables in the world, was hit with the ransomware that took down its North American operations. And that's usually one of the trivia questions that catches people out. Is like, oh, which is one of the largest producers of fruit and vegetables in the world? Well, it's a company from Ireland, which you wouldn't associate with uh, producing fruit. Uh, But nevertheless, if you're not familiar with the company, they have over 38,000 employees. So it's quite a large operation. The halt of business obviously led to stopping of shipments, which will not help in the current climate, where staffing shortages and supply chain issues are still impacting businesses in North America. Dole have said it moved quickly to contain the threat and engaged leading third-party cybersecurity experts who have been working in partnership with Dole's internal teams to remediate the issue and secure the systems. There wasn't a whole lot of detail other than that, so I guess we'll see how this continues. Microsoft announced the removal of Windows Edition checks for AppLocker, so you can now deploy and enforce AppLocker policies to all currently supported Windows versions regardless of their edition and management method. That includes Windows 11 version 22H2, Windows 11 version 21H2, Windows 10 version 2004, 20H2, and 21H1. This should allow IT pros to now manage a greater number of systems using AppLocker by targeting additions not previously supported by the product. I ran into the previously covered February patching issue that I reported on last week's episode that can cause VMs in VMware's hypervisor to not boot. Well, there is now a hotfix available for VMware customers. I had it installed on my vCenter, but it still refused to boot the VMs until I disabled secure boot, but I believe I was alone on that one, and I think there was something up with the sequencing of uh, my patching. Uh, I think maybe the system wasn't fully patched when I was trying to boot the VMs, but uh, regardless, if you are a VMware admin, make sure you install that hotfix. Oh, and I should say, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, this is affecting server 2022 VMs and is related to the February Windows patches. A little bit of news uh, from show sponsor Numescent. Uh, Numescent announced a new feature for their Cloud Pager product that allows customers to automatically optimize their app v packages. So administrators will be able to simply take their existing app v packages and drag and drop those into Cloud Pager, which will automatically apply optimizations, which will eliminate the need for uh, connection groups will provide the ability to have enhanced application usage reporting and utilization reporting, uh, improve compatibility of applications, and more. Uh, for more information about that, I'll share a link with this episode. And there's also a demo video of what that process looks like in the link that I'll provide. Uh, but they also announced Cloud Paging Player version 9.4, uh, which brings with it some impressive performance improvements, greater sync controls, and more. And full disclosure, I work for Numescent, so I wanted to keep that story relatively short and uh, not show too much bias. So, yeah, there's more detail to that, so check out the links if you're interested. For those in Ireland, the next Citrix user group meetup will be taking place next week, next Thursday, on the 9th of March, starting at 1.30 p.m. Uh, there will be a lot of uh, Citrix-related sessions, including on identity and single sign-on, Uh, going from zero to hero with app layering and it'll be sponsored by liquidware so there will be a sponsored session from liquidware too Uh, i hope to attend myself and i know several others in the community should be there too so it should be a fun afternoon and probably a great evening for some too And finally, in the news this week, the Cloud Paging User Group online meetup will also take place. This is next Friday. So (laughs) if you're going to the Citrix User Group in Ireland, then you could have that on Thursday and then spend your Friday afternoon on the Cloud Paging User Group uh, online and we'll be covering some interesting topics that have been requested by the users in the group that includes how to handle things like uh, application drivers complex component services and some of those components that are typically difficult with traditional application packaging or virtualization technologies of the past uh, how those are handled in cloud paging so it should be a pretty interesting session and we'll also have a just general discussion too and now, this episode's scripts, tricks, and tips. Harm Veenstra had a blog post on retrieving all local group members of Active Directory member servers. So, if you'd like a quick, easy way to do that, uh, you can check out the PowerShell script that's been shared by Harm. My buddy Tom Fenton had an excellent blog post where he was reviewing. HP Elite T655 ThinClients running IGEL OS. So if you're interested in that, which seems pretty topical considering not so long ago IGEL announced that they're getting out of the hardware game and focusing more on the software side of things, uh, embracing these other thin client products uh, is what makes sense, and certainly, actually, in my experience, uh, I worked in an organization that actually deployed the IGL OS to existing HP Thin clients, so very relevant. And it's great to see a review on some of the latest Thin clients from HP running the IGL OS. Well, that's it for this episode of the podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. And if it wouldn't be too much trouble, if you haven't before, I'd really appreciate if you could rate the podcast or review it on your podcast platform of choice. So like Apple Podcasts, for example, uh, because the ratings will help circulate the podcast and get a greater visibility and hopefully more listens in the future. Thank you so much for listening.